How's everybody doing? Good? Yes? Uh, forgive me because I'm used to speaking to teenagers. So, uh, but I do believe if I can hold the attention of a junior higher, hopefully I can hold the attention of you, maybe. But if that fails, I'll just sit in this director's chair and you have to listen to me, right? Because that's what that means, right, is I have the director's chair. No, but, uh, but honestly, I'm excited about this, this series. I'm excited about this, uh, the movies with the message series because um, if, if there's anything that I'm an expert in, it's probably movies, okay? All right, I, I wish that uh, I could say that I was as scholarly um, in theology or <laughs> trained in all that stuff as much as I was the movies, but uh, the benefit that I have is that I've been watching movies all my life. I mean, it was part of my parents, what we did on the weekends. It's what we, uh, we you know, we went and saw that. I wish we had Redbox back then because we were poor. You know, we'd, we'd go to, to one movie a month, and that was like our quota. So we budgeted for the month, but but I love movies, absolutely love them, and and I have this spiritual gift. Um, it's called quoting movies. Uh, it's it's really it's a really worthless gift, but I'm really good at it. Like I just you know I, I can see a movie and and I can quote it to, to my friends or family, and they just look at me like I'm an idiot. Uh, but. Uh, but I have another friend who also has a spiritual gift, and we can literally have whole conversations in movie quotes. You know what I'm talking about? And everybody around us is like, what are they talking about? And we're just, you know, spouting out, out, out movie quotes. So, again, like I said, it's a worthless gift. Uh, but if I could memorize scripture just half as well as I could memorize, like, movie quotes, and I would probably have the New Testament memorized by now. Uh, but, but, you know, that I just, I just love movies. I love quoting them. I love watching them. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of a weird, uh, movie watcher. I, at the end, I, I kind of go to movies with a purpose and, and, uh, um, not just surely for entertainment, but I, I do believe that movies are beneficial to us as a society. Um, it helps us, you know, get in the minds and, and, you know, different realms and see different things or attitudes or, or just anything like that. We can get into a movie and kind of remove ourselves from society and look at something differently from a different perspective. So when I go and watch movies, I don't just go and see like, all right, that's good. See you later. All right. Paid my eight bucks and now I'm going home. But after the movie's over, I kind of I kind of, you know, I'm praying before the movie. That, that God would open my eyes to something new about him or something new, a new perspective that I can go and, and take into the world or take into my life. And, and then at the end of the movie, I'm, I'm the guy sitting there in the dark as the credits are rolling and everybody's getting up and leaving and I'm, I'm just sitting there. And I'm not reading the names. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm like, ooh, I know that person or anything like that or that guy has a funny name. That's what it used to be. Um, but I sit there and I think about the movie and I reflect on it. I pray about it and I say, I ask myself some questions like, what does this say about God? What does this say about his kingdom? Is this beneficial for teaching? How can I use this in, in youth ministry? How can, I, how can I speak to my students from the perspective of this movie? And I sit there through the whole credits. My wife loves this about me. She doesn't. She's kind of impatient. She's like, let's go, let's go home. We just, you know, sat through a movie for two hours. Let's go take a nap or something. We've got something else to do. And I'm, I'm sitting there just glued, like just watching the credits. 
which is sometimes beneficial because they play, you know, little clips at the end, which, you know, is rewarding, but, uh, but not all the time. But, uh, but I do like to sit there and, cause I think movies can speak so powerfully into, into stories, into characters and, and into our lives and even reflect some of, of what God is doing. And, and not all movies do this. I will say that I've, I've kind of reached pretty far and stretched my hand out pretty far when it comes to movies. I, I've spoke a, a, a series or a message on Nacho Libre. Which was tough, okay, to find anything pertinent to God's kingdom. I mean, it's like, okay, what can I use? Not the stretchy pants, no. But, but, so there's some movies on that end, but I, I really do believe, I'm, I'm speaking on To Save a Life, and I don't know if you've seen it, but To Save a Life was one of those that's just rich in, in, in things that I can use for the profit of God's kingdom. And I could literally be up here and talk about 10 different things about this movie. I could talk about, you know, it has teen suicide in it and what leads to that. It has teen pregnancy in it. It has drugs and alcohol and things that and it's more of a youthy movie. And, 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 you know, maybe that's why I'm up here speaking about it. But I could speak on a plethora of different things and, and it would be beneficial to, to everybody here. But but I chose to go a different route and, and speak about a different thing and, and and because I, I do believe this story has a power and 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 just a really cool uh, element to it of of a transformation story. And just to kind of set it up, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, it was only in theaters for a few weeks and won't be out on DVD until August 3rd. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of speaking from memory. I've seen it once. But again, I have a spiritual gift of memorizing movies. Right. So, but, but, so I'm kind of speaking from, from memory here, but, but it is a cool story about, basically about Jake and Roger. They're two best friends. They, they grow up together. They do absolutely everything together. They go and ride bikes when they're young. They stay at each other's houses. They play basketball together around the neighborhood. They do all these, these, these things. And so Jake and Roger are pretty much inseparable. And one time as they're out about the town and they're doing something they love, and that's riding bikes together, a truck comes up and, and is coming towards Jake as he's riding his bike. And Roger, being the friend, like selfless friend that he is, he comes and he, push, he pushes Jake out of the, the way and takes the hit from the truck. And he's laying there on the ground and holding his leg, and, and it kind of fast-forwards to to a, a few months later and and he's in a cast and and then later it shows as him you know as he is coming into high school and and he is forever left with a limp okay from doing this act with his friend from pushing him out of the way he's left with a limp and and he has it for the rest of his life he just kind of just walks everywhere with this limp and he and all of a sudden the things that he could do like basketball with his friend and all these different things he he can't anymore because he has this limp, he has this leg injury. So fast forward to high school, and, and Jake has continued to play basketball, and he's actually excelling in it. He actually is a, a freshman on varsity, the varsity fa- basketball team, and, and it shows Rogers in, in this game. And it shows Roger in, the, um, Roger in the stands cheering on his friend, and he's still there supporting his friend. And, and it shows Jake, I mean, literally draining like 30 points, a freshman on, on varsity. And so, so you can see Jake's like just excelling. And then there's Roger, you know, still faithful, still cheering on his friend. And, and uh, but that was about the extent of their connection to basketball anymore is Roger cheering on and, and Jake, you know, getting all the, the, the fame and all that different stuff. And, and after the game, they had this tradition that every game that they would go to one another's house and they would eat pizza and, and just kind of 
hang out together and watch movies all night. And uh, it's what, something they did all their life, and, and, and they kind of connected them. But on this night, the first night that he was on varsity, Jake is, is walking out with Roger of the game, and, and all of a sudden, you know, he just scored 30 points. So he's, you know, he's, he's Mr. Big Stuff now, right? And a group of, of cheerleaders and, and uh, some football players come up to him, and they're like, hey, you know, we're having this party. want to come with us? You know, and, and he's like, yeah, man, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. My friend Roger, you know, we'll, we'll be over there in like 10 minutes. They were like, sorry, this invitation's for you and, and not your friend Roger. So Jake's at a crossroads now, and, and he chooses the party over Roger. And from there, their friendship starts to slowly fade away. And Roger's left fading more and more into the background while Jake is, is you know, just thrusted into this popularity and, and all that comes with that. Fast forward to his senior year, and, and Jake's now the stud on campus. I mean, everybody knows him. He's, I mean, he's got college recruits coming to look at him. He's got the cheerleader girlfriend. He's got the popularity, everything. And then it shows some scenes of Roger walking to school with his limp. And people throwing things at him and yelling things at him. And Jake and Roger are no longer friends. And this this hatred, this you know, ridicule of, of Roger eventually drove him, and I'm sorry about kind of the graphicness of this, but eventually drove Roger to bring a gun into school and and walk into the hallways and end his life as ironically his friend Jake looked on, was literally six feet from him. And Roger takes his own life. And that's what it had come to. He was so broken that he thought his only, his only thing to do was, was to actually take his own life. And, and that's kind of where the, the story really starts, the meat of the story really starts, because... That since Jake, who was literally six feet from his friend and, and could have reached out and, and maybe jumped and, and grabbed the gun, it, but he didn't. It, it sends him on this spiral, this journey of, of trying to figure out, what, you know, what is my life about? I mean, literally, like, I'm sitting here and I, I've got all this popularity and I've got all these, these things, but what was it for? And he starts asking questions about his life and really starts to start to seek answers about what his life's about. And this journey eventually, this process eventually takes him to a youth ministry. A youth pastor reaches out to him and, and he goes to this youth group and, and uh, he starts to, to you know hang out with the people there and all these different things. And, and I kind of wanted to set up this clip and that's what we bring to this clip. And, and I want to show you guys this of, uh, of just this powerful scene that'll kind of be the basis for my message today. So if you guys could watch this. Well, if you can imagine my, you know, background of Jake and, and, you know, how he was pretty much this stud and, you know, probably, I mean, you can imagine that he was all about him and all about, you know, getting his and the popularity and all these different things. And, and you can see that, I mean, this event, this, this thing that happened, this tragedy that happened with his friend, it kind of shook him. And he's starting to ask a lot of great questions and and you know it, it leads them to church and maybe this is your story maybe something happened to you and it it led you to church it led you to to try to find answers 
And that's what he's doing. I mean, he's trying to literally find answers about his life. But he starts to realize that that the people there, the people that are in this church are no different than he was. I mean, they're, they're judging people that as they walk in. They, they're hypocritical. They're not really caring about what's going on. And I love that line as he stands up and he says, what's the point of all this if you're not going to let this change you? I don't know if you've, you've thought about that. I don't know if you've asked yourself that question. What's the point of all this? What's the point of coming to church, sitting in these nice little chairs and, and singing these songs and hearing a message if, if, if there's no real change inside of you? I mean, what's the point? Is it just to look good? Is it just to, to say that, check a little thing off your list, like I've been to church on Sunday, now I can go live however I want? I mean, what is it that makes us just come and, 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 and sit and listen and and not really have any change in our lives, or not really have any transformation. And, and I think that is the story, that, that's the, I mean, epitome of the story is, is that transformation that happens in Jake's life. He goes from this self-centered basketball player to eventually being changed for the better. And you see it all throughout the movies. And as you can see, the transformation is a process of sanctification over time. It's a process. You don't wake up one day, you don't say, I'm going to believe in Christ, I'm going to, I believe in all He did, and all of a sudden you're changed and you're made more like Him. But it's a process. It's, as Mike kind of put it, as we went through a journey a couple months ago, transformation is a process. It's not an instantaneous change. And I, I want to turn to Romans 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. And Romans 12 is a great picture of this. And this is Paul talking to the church in Rome, and, and he's almost begging them. He's like, okay, I know that, that you're pretty set in your ways, and you, you've done all this you know, your own way for a long time, but I'm, I'm urging you, I'm begging you to change with me. He says in, in, in verse 1, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is how you show God that you're serious. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. It's only then as you have transformed your mind, if you've have you have have you've literally become that new creation that you will be transformed and you will be able to test and approve what God's will is in your life. So it's in the transformation. It's in that offering your body, offering everything you have as a sacrifice to God being changed. And you see it all through Scripture. God tells us that, that we are a new creation, that the old has gone and the new has come. Come, Jake's old self-centered person is now gone as he believes in Christ, and, and the new one is coming. The new person is coming. And that's what this story is about. It's about a transformation that happened from the old to the new. And, and I mean, it will, it will not be without its growing pains. Am I right? This process is a, is a tough one. This journey is a hard one with many hills, many valleys, 
I mean, it's tough. It's tough, but it's something it's, it's necessary for us to go down this journey. And I think that this transformation process, as you see in Romans, it's, it's not some outer thing. It's not you just being having this, you know, facade of change, this this facade of of, hey, I've got it all together. I'm a Christian. I'm coming on Sunday morning. I'm at church. I'm, I'm changed. Can't you see by the way I'm smiling? Right. I mean, sometimes that's what you think is it's it's this outside. As long as I appear to be in love with God or as long as I appear to have it all together, it's okay. But but no, in Romans 12, what he's talking about is literally offering your whole bodies up as a as a living sacrifice to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is on the inside. So I see that that this this change, this transformation is from the inside out. Yes, you might look like you have it all together, but but the real change comes from whenever you're absolutely transformed on the inside. And that starts affecting not only the outer appearance, but but how other people perceive you and how other people are changed from you from the inside out. So I want to talk today about a couple of things that are, are on the inside. And the first one is the mind. Okay, obviously, this is important in this verse, as he says, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's another verse in in Ephesians 4, and I'll just read it. But in Ephesians 4, 22 and 23, it says says that you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Then we see that in regard to your former way of life, your minds must be changed. You need to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And so why is this so important? Why? Why the mind? Okay. And I think it's no, you know, it's a no brainer. Uh, Sorry. But that the minds are very important. Okay. The minds. Sorry. I'll do that all day. So just bear with me as I tell corny jokes. But the mind is very important. I mean, they knew this. The scientists know this. They study it and they, they know that we only use, I mean, about 75% of our brains. For me, a little less. But, but you know, it, we know that the mind is a powerful, powerful thing. And I think the reason is because it, it, it controls, literally, the mind controls. It's, a, it's the, you know, the, the center for one's attitudes, one's thoughts, one's feelings, and one's actions. These are the things that all of the mind controls. Again, that's one attitudes, thoughts, feelings, and actions. I think that's what you start to see Jake kind of go through first is this transformation of the mind as he goes from only thinking about himself and only thinking about what applies to him to now starting to ask questions of, man, what is my life about? What am I, what am I doing? Like, what is this? What is all this for? Is there something more? Is there is there something beyond what I'm experiencing right now? So you see his mind start to churn and go. And I believe this is God renewing his mind. It's transforming his mind to start to think about life in a different context, to think about life in a different way. Ever heard the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Right. Y'all have heard that. OK, I didn't it's a Texas thing. I didn't know. Arkansas too. Okay, all right. This means yes. This 
needs to know. Okay. But uh, can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I think this is, I mean, this is literally the task before God. It's teaching a bunch of old dogs new tricks. Okay. If you've never thought of your, yourself as a dog, just try it sometime. All right. Because literally we, we are creatures of habit. Right. I mean, have you ever seen like a dog's bed? It's perfectly shaped into, a, you know, his body where he lays every night. You see where dogs go to the bathroom pretty much the same place every night. Any of you dog owners know what I'm talking about? There's this little, you know, radius of do. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, just as much as dogs are a creature of habit, so are we. How many of you are sitting in the same place that you were two weeks ago? Yes. Yes, most churchgoers are They're like, this is my pew. Is that a visitor? No, it's mine. We're creatures of habit. I mean, it's just who we are. So so God's task, what he what he has before us is is teaching a bunch of old dogs, new tricks. He's he's saying, OK, I know that you have your habits and, and the way of doing things, and the way of even thinking about things. I know that your mind is set on something, but but I want to renew your mind. I want to. I want to transform your mind into something else. I want you to start thinking about things as the way I think about things. And I do truly believe that if God can take captive our minds, that, that yes, I know that, you know, the eyes are the ones that see things. I mean, you understand that the eyes are the one that actually sees things, but our minds are the ones that, that interprets that, that image or that thing that we're seeing and, and, and puts it into the places where it can go. And it, and it evokes emotion, it evokes your attitudes, it evokes your feelings, all these different things. Your mind takes that and interprets it. And I believe if God can, if we can start to think like our Savior does, then you would see a world changed. I mean, literally changed for this gospel that he preaches. That, that if we would start to perceive and, and see things in the way that our God does, we would see the world in a whole new way. And we would think about the world in a whole new way. Yes, it's broken. Yes, it's, there's a lot of just hurt and, and just junk in it. But if we can start to see that and see the hope as God does, to see a broken pot, some clay, be able to see that and, and form it into a beautiful, beautiful piece of art. We would, we would start to see things like that. I, I believe that there would be change in this world. I see that that Jake is is really one of those people that are struggling with that. But just as much as Jake is is transformed in the mind, you see him start to be transformed in his heart. I mean, literally, this 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 movie is is. I mean, Jake is like a modern day Grinch. Okay, all right. To quote another movie as you see my spiritual gift coming into play. But, I mean, literally, as a, as a modern-day Grinch, where his heart grows from two sizes too small to two sizes too big. I mean, that's what his heart does during this movie. Two sizes too small, where all he can think about is himself and what he wants and, and how everything affects him. But then you start to see his heart open up to people around him. And it's really cool if, if you haven't seen this movie, but but Jake starts to go from from only caring about himself. And, and then this thing with Roger happens, and Jake opens up his heart to people that might be in the same place that Roger was. He starts to seek out maybe suicidal people. 
and broken people and hurting people. And he opens up his heart to them and starts to to have conversations with them and starts to love on them. I think this is just as important and it is on the inside is our heart transforming our heart to start to love and to feel as God does. And uh, if you would turn to, to 1 Peter. I know I'm kind of jumping around, but bear with me. I have ADD. It's how I study. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22 says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. From the heart. For if you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. I love that scripture all throughout just talks about this process of going from old to new, from an old creation to a new. And from here, you know, you've been born of a perishable seed. You have been born again. You don't have to, to, to live as an imperishable thing. You, you can now live, or sorry, a perishable thing, but you can now live as imperishable can live as someone who will have eternal life. You've been born again. The old has gone. The new has come. And I find comfort that even though that this process, this journey of sanctification, of transformation is a tough one, that in God's word it says that, that the good work that he has started in us, he will bring to completion. He will complete it. So even though it's tough and even though it's hard, he will complete it. And And in the heart, the transformation of the heart, you see that that it's marked with how you love one another. How how will people know that we are changed? By the way we love one another. And this is something that's been set in motion by Christ as he's as he's spending time at, at the Last Supper with his disciples. You can read about it in John 13, but he's sitting there spending time with his disciples. And as he is about to leave this world, as he is about to, to pay the ultimate price for our sins, he, he stops and says, you know what? I want to give you guys a new command. I want, to, I want to give you guys a new thing to live by, a new MO, if you will. I want you to love others as I have loved you. Okay, and people say that that, you know, duh, we hear that all through Scripture. God says, you know, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We, we see that. But here, Jesus, if you can get into this, this realm, he's sitting with the 12 people that, that are, have been closest to him, that he's walked with, that he's done ministry with for three years. And he's like, you know what, I, I want to put this into perspective for you guys. When you go love other people, I want you to love them as I have loved you. You've got to understand that these are the people that experience God's love the most. Yes, God did, or Jesus did a, a lot of different miracles and, and had compassion on a lot of different people and, and did a lot of things like that. But, but these are the 12 that experience God's love firsthand and repeatedly. So this is very tangible for them. They can say, okay, we're supposed to love one another as you loved us. And they start to think about all the different ways that that means. 
And I think this trans- transformation of the heart, it has to start with that. It has to start with as, as we see Christ loving his disciples and Christ loving the world. And that moment, that moment set in motion uh, just an amazing thing where the, the disciples took the love that they experienced from their Savior, from the guy that they've been walking with, and they started to spread that to others. They started to go to different churches. They went to all of Judea, Samaria, to Jerusalem, and to the ends of the earth, and they started spreading this gospel, this love, this truth. And they loved in the only way that they knew how, and that is to love out of the way that Christ loved them. And that hopefully has filtered down to us and we we see how we are supposed to love and how we are supposed to be transformed in our heart to be able to open it up to love others. And that's what this process is, what this transformation is all about. And I could leave you guys with that. I could leave you guys with, you know, this very broad thing of that you probably already knew that you need to be transformed in, in your mind and your heart. Duh, Wade, thank you. Youth pastor for giving us something that we didn't already know. And I can leave you guys with that, but, but what's the point? And I, I'm, I'm speaking to Jake. What, what's the point if you're not going to let this change you? If you're not going to let this like literally make you differently and make you act differently? So I want to leave you guys with a tangible thing that we can go out and we can actually live in our daily lives. And this is the reason I've called this message a restoration of the greeting okay a restoration of the greeting because i think that a real tangible way that we can go and act this out that we can show that we've been changed that we've been transformed and that we can love one another and see things differently in our mind to perceive it is that we can go and greet one another in the way that god intended and I don't know about you guys, but I've seen just a, this demise of, of how we greet one another and how we interact with one another. And maybe it's I'm looking at it with, from a skewer perspective from students that, you know, all you get out of a junior high kid is, you know. But, I mean, I, mean, I think it's, it's literally flooding. It's inundating every part of our society is where you see in, in, in like old school Bible times as Paul I mean, the greetings were taken seriously in Bible times. Paul in Romans 16, which is one of the the biggest, you know, greetings uh, in in the New Testament. Paul, all of chapter 16 in Romans, I mean, he, he mentions 25 people by name and something personal about them. 25 people in Rome. We're talking Paul, who wrote three-fourths of the New Testaments and, and visited churches upon churches, went on three missionary journeys, and, and probably saw, I mean, thousands of thousands of people. And he calls out 25 people in Rome by name and says, I greet you, Priscilla, in the name of the Lord. I remember how you encouraged me while I was there. And Paul starts to call out, I mean, 25 people out of the thousands that he's met, he took greeting seriously. He took his relationships with people seriously and remembered them by name and remembered things that they did. You see it all, I mean, all throughout. Every time that Jesus greeted one, somebody in the street, he, I mean, he literally just loved on them. I mean, the biggest insult 
And you, you can read it in the Old Testament, the biggest insult that somebody could have if, if someone had wronged them. He's, I mean, you see it like, I command you to go and meet with so-and-so, but I don't want you to greet them. <laughs> that was the biggest insult. I don't want you to greet them. I, I just want you to give them the cold shoulder. And, and I've slowly seen this demise of our greeting to, you know, like olden times, the Bible times, to, you know, the commercials, uh, beer commercials of the, what up? You know what I'm talking about, right? The, those annoying commercials, like that is an acceptable greeting, you know? To, to the churchgoer greeting of, hey, how are you? Okay. And you want, hey, how are you? Okay. I mean, it's like they don't even have a chance to respond. It's like, good? Okay. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I mean, that's literally what our greetings sometimes look like on Sunday morning because we're so focused on getting to our spot, right? And read our bulletin, what we do every Sunday. We're so focused on where we're going and we can't really be in the moment. To like I said, in teenagers, you know, they, they did the what's up and they shortened it to sup. You know, because what's up is too hard. A complete sentence is, I mean, too much to ask. So now they're like, just sup. And then now I've seen with some kids, I mean, they walk down the halls and they're like, so they can't even say the word. They can't even speak anything. They're just, I mean, what's that? I mean, literally, where is it going to go? I mean, is it going to be like an awkward stare from across the room or a nostril flare? And that's how we greet one another. Like, seriously, where is it going? How much less can we greet one another? I mean, that's, that's, that's literally the, the demise of our greeting has been just phenomenal. I think God calls us to something more. I think, I think we need to restore our greeting to actually show that we care for one another. As we, as we interact with one another, that, that you say, how are you? And you actually mean it. And you actually sit there and listen to how they are. And I try this experiment with people. And you can try it too. But somebody asks you, how are you? Be like, I mean, just stop them. Well, you know, like. My mom's going through a pretty rough time, and, and uh, you know, I've been, I've been really struggling in this sin. And, and they're like, it's like awkward for them that you just told them how you were, right? Try it sometime. It's really fun because people don't know how to react. They're like, does he really tell me how he is? That was just a formality, just rhetorical question. But try it. And I think that is what God has called us to, is to really start to connect with one another. And if we could perceive, I think this would help us transform, if we could transform our minds and our hearts to start to see. Because the biggest regret that Jake had through the whole movie is that he was literally six feet from his friend when he killed himself. He was right there. And later he remembers, he's, I mean, he, he says, in that moment, it's a very powerful scene. He says, he says, he says, Roger, you don't have to do this. And he's calling out to his friend and, and his friend replies, it's too late, Jake. It's too little, too late. And Jake remembers that he passed as he's talking to his girlfriend. He, he, he passed Roger in the halls hundreds of times, almost every day at school. And he never, never Stop to say hi. So you can see how powerful even a greeting could have been if he could have just perceived what his friend was going through. If he could have just been made aware of that. I think 
that if we are to love as Christ loved, then we need to look to him for our examples. And I know I'm running out of, out of time, and I just kind of want to click quickly hit on these, but you know, I think Christ shows us the best example of how to greet one another. Because that first blank, he says, he shows us how to look for people. All right? And I put out there Luke 19, and, and basically that's the story of Zacchaeus, all right? The, the wee man, Zacchaeus, who climbs up the sycamore tree, I think is what it is. We sing about it all the time. And, and, but literally God, I mean, Christ walking through a crowd of people notices little Zacchaeus and notices his fervor and says, I want to have dinner with that guy. So Christ shows us how to look for people. Secondly, he, he, told us, he shows us how to make time for people. Make time for people. In Matthew 9, it shows the story of, I mean, this guy has begged Jesus to come and heal his sick daughter. And on the way, I mean, Jesus is going to, and he feels just somebody touch his cloak. And he stops. And he makes time for this, this woman who, in her faith, said, if I could just touch my Savior, if I could just touch you, the power would come into me and I would be healed. And he stops and he talks to her. And makes time for her, even though he's going to save a dying woman, a dying girl. He stops and makes time for this woman. Lastly, he shows us how to have compassion for people. And you see this all through the New Testament. You can go to these these chapters and, and I mean, it literally says the word Jesus stopped and had compassion on them. And I think that's how Jesus lived his life was having compassion on people. So I think we can learn from that. If we, if we can start to see things differently, perceive things differently, and open up our heart to people around us, that in our greetings even, that we can show the love of Christ. We can, we can stop and we can look and seek out our friends. We can, we can make time for our friends and actually listen and actually hear what they have to say to the, to, to the non-rhetorical question of, how are you? And we can have compassion on them and share love with them. I think this is a real practical way that we, we can start to live as people who are changed. So if you haven't asked yourself that question of, of what's the point of all this if we're not going to let it change us, do that today. And stop and maybe have a conversation with somebody that, that you might not have. And that's our response today. That, that is what I'm leaving you guys with is just this charge to go and, and, and look for people, to make time for people, and to have compassion on people. To open up your minds and your hearts to people. As people who have been reborn and born again and are a new creation. God, I just thank you. God, for your word, I thank you for who you are. God, that, that we have the privilege to, as people that have been reborn, you have given us new life. You've taken the pain. You've called us by a new name. God, you bring us joy and hope. And God, I pray for these people. I pray for myself. God, that we would go out changed. That we would start living like people who are being transformed. And, and God, that you would use that in order to allow us to, to truly start to love 
one another deeply from the heart. You would change your minds and you would change your hearts to be more in line with you. God, we love you and we praise you. Amen.